Welcome to Buy the Books, the podcast helping business owners navigate the complex world of business, tax, and bookkeeping. Now, to the owner and president of Secline, Lindsay Klein. Thanks for joining us, everyone. This is Lindsay Klein with Secline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time and your host of Buy the Books. I'm here today with Del James, who is the principal of Tip Excise. Thank you for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. So I thought I knew what excise tax was until I talked to you and realized I do not. So who knew that you could create an entire company around helping companies just with excise taxes? Shocking enough, most companies don't even know that exists, but yes. I'm learning this. It is so a- explain for our audience what is excise tax. Sure. What an excise tax is is a use tax. You pay a lot of those. Medical devices, cigarettes, liquor, all have an excise tax. So... Does the tax that we pay on a gallon of gas, is that what you're talking about when we go to the gas station? So a fuel excise tax, is that's what I'm talking about. Okay, yes. okay. So every time you go to the gas station, whether you buy kerosene, propane, unleaded, diesel, you pay a use tax. That tax is there because that tax is used to maintain roads, bridges, build new roads and bridges for state and national use. So there's not only a state excise tax, there's a national federal excise tax uh-huh. as well. Okay, and that's different from sales tax, right? That is different from sales tax. This goes into its own bucket, its own function, its own collection. In fact, the IRS and all the state agencies have their own excise department, separate and distinct from other collection agencies. Okay, see, I'm learning. I did not even know that. Yes. Okay, so this is all your company focuses on is excise tax. This is all we do. So I like to say we're a little niche company. All we do is get refunds, not credits, but refunds funds for companies for the taxes they've paid that they shouldn't have. So the way we do it is you think the government has your money, we come and get it back for you. Which is interesting because under what circumstances would you be eligible to get that money back? Okay, so if you pay a tax for a use and you don't use it for what it's taxed for, the government assumes you're going to take that fuel and power an engine over the road. For instance, your car, you fill it up, you drive down the road. So that tax is appropriate. But let's say you go to the gas station and you get a gallon gas can and you mow your yard with it. Well, you didn't power an engine over the road. Therefore, that tax you paid is refundable. Interesting. Now, does this only apply to gasoline or are there other excise taxes that that are refundable? It's propane, kerosene, uh, green energy. There's several different aspects to it. But 98% of what we do is unleaded and diesel. Hmm. Okay, interesting. So other than a lawnmower... What are some examples of people using fuel not for the intended purpose? Sure. Most of our clients are what we're going to call food distribution. Okay. So as you drive down the road, you'll see a truck. We'll call it a refrigerated truck. And you'll see a little box on the front of the trailer. That box is what cools the truck. It either is a freezer or just a refrigeration unit. Everything you ship, ice, meat, fish, poultry, flowers, chocolate, chemicals, is shipped in some kind of controlled environment. Even though that truck's traveling over the road, the refrigeration unit's considered off-road use. Well, about 30 to 40% of all the fuel that goes in that truck is refundable because it goes to run the refrigeration unit. So how do you make the distinction between the fuel that's used for that refrigeration and the fuel that's used to power the vehicle itself? Yes. Yeah, so you're asking me what our secret sauce is. So <laughs> sure. So, yes. I'm an accountant. That's it. So what we'll do... <laughs> Is depending on the make, model, year, and what you're distributing. For instance, an ice truck. An ice truck's going to start earlier. It's got to get it below 
freezing mm -hmm. and then it's got to run a lot more in order for that truck to keep the ice frozen if you're shipping avocados that's not necessarily the case mm. so the truck's going to run more it's also heavier it's going to burn more fuel but that refrigeration it's going to work harder so something like an ice truck may get about 38 to 40 percent back how do we know that because we work hand in hand with the irs for the last 20 years in order for them to have some tolerance levels Interesting. And so depending on the truck, depending on what you're hauling, the make, the model, the use, there's some tolerance levels built in that we know what those are. So when you talk about tolerance levels, does that come just through the experience of having worked through audits with customers? So we don't use the A word because Oh, is that a nasty it's bad a nasty word? word. <laughs> yes. So what we'll do after 20 years of doing this, okay. uh, we'll know, we'll have a really good idea of what that is, of what this piece of equipment is. Uh, for instance, I'm going to use lawnmowers a lot because it's easy. A 42 inch zero turn mower is going to use 3.2 gallons a day. That's what the IRS is going to allow that. Okay. We just know that. We know that because we've done it for 20 years. We've done thousands of these filings and we know what that number is. But as you move forward, one of the things that we do is we, this is all we do. So we know if you're in Houston, for instance, we know the IRS revenue agent you're going to get. We know what every Texas, Oklahoma, Mississippi, New York, California, we know how to file these, what their tolerance levels are, what they're going to do, and not only what they're going to pay, the records they need in order to pay those. This is all we do. So we have a real good idea of how to maximize those refunds. And that's really the key for us is you could try to do this yourself, but that's like anything. It's not going to work as well. We're going to do it. We're going to take all the accountability and we're going to maximize what you get. That's awesome. So I, think so I know that you you were telling me a story about how sometimes in the sales process you can have some difficulty with the person across the table understanding how you're different from their CPA firm or why they would need you. How do those conversations typically go and how do you get past that hurdle? Sure. Those topics, the way that usually goes is you've had a CPA in your office that's been running your company and or CFO for the last 20 years. This guy's your friend. He went to your daughter's wedding. You right. golf with him every Sunday. How could he possibly be leaving $200,000 a year on the table? It's not possible. He would right. never do that. Right. But this is not what he does. So right. when I say somebody, when usually the quick thing I learn is say, do you have a, do you have a family doctor? Everybody does. I say, yeah. yeah. Okay. If you had cancer of the eye, would you go to your family doctor? Well, mm. Of course you wouldn't. You go to that particular person who deals with retinal cancer mm. in order to have that surgery. What we do is so particular. It's all we do. So... If you're going to battle the IRS or the state agencies, you want somebody who fights this particular battle, and mm. this is all we do. That's a good way to overcome it in the beginning. If you get pushback on it, most of our pushback is what I would call when I first started this, the voodoo magic concept. They just don't believe it's real. People come to them and say, we can do this for you. And one of the ways we overcome that is you'll say, why would we trust you, Dell?" So, well, you don't really have to trust me. We don't get paid until you get paid. We're going to do all the work up front. We're going to rely on your records. We're going to trust that you're going to answer the questions that we have. And then I'm going to trust that when the IRS and the government pays you, you're going to pay me. Really, it's me that has to trust you. Mm. That tells, so since there's no out of pocket, if we can't do what we say, we don't get paid. And this isn't a hobby for me. This is how I put my kids through college. So yes, I need to get paid. Now, I know in a lot of companies that have similar um, 
processes as you that do the R&D credits and things like that. The number one thing I've heard from clients that get pitched by these companies is, well, I don't want to put myself at risk of getting audited. And I know you said that's a that's bad a word. A word again, yes. But you probably hear that a lot, too. It's like, OK, great, you're you're doing all the work and I don't have to pay out of pocket. But what if it subjects me to liability later when the IRS or some other government agency comes after me? Great question. And this is a question I always I like to get because what we do with any new client is we're going to do a peremptory review with that client. So we're going to take all your information. We're going to get your filings ready, state and federal filings. We're then going to get that reviewed up front. And that way we're going to go and we're going to talk to your revenue agent and we're going to say, here's what we've got. What do you see? Mm. What do you want? What do you need? Are you going to approve this? So you're never going to get audited. And when people think that, they think of the, you have your corporate file, your 1120, your 1065. Right. You have your forms, and they think we're just going to add something to it. That's not what we do. We use separate and distinct forms and separate and distinct filings. So you could get your taxes could get audited, but your excise will never get touched. Mm-hmm. We're going to go get those approved up front, so it's never an issue. So you're actually getting the stamp of approval before you're filing it. It makes things go quicker. I can imagine. Yes. Yes. So is that difficult to do? Do you have trouble getting that done? Do you ever have to alter things or what does that process look like? Well, because we've done this so much, no. Okay. We, we know what they so want and how they want it. So you have it down to a science. If they pe- know you by name by now, Dell. They don't know me, but yes. <laughs> yes. They know us by name. Like, all oh, this guy again. <laughs> the people who actually do our reviews, the CPAs who do the reviews in the office, they know them by name. And so they'll know exactly, do you want it Do you want it electronically? Do they want it on paper? Do they want copies? Do they want originals? Do they, what do they want? And we know that. So when we present these files to them, these filings to them, we already know what they want. We have it there. Now, some things what we'll do if we have an industry that we've not touched before. Let's say you're a pipeline construction company and you've got some equipment in there that we've never seen. We'll call it yellow iron. The, think of the yellow bulldozers and cranes that you see out there. Mm-hmm. Some of this is just new. We have somebody in our office that actually all they do is research this new equipment. They get the burn rate, the hourly burn rate for the fuel, the type of engine. They'll get all that down. So when we go to do a review for this equipment we've never had before, we have all those specs listed. So nice. we, we come in armed with some information. So when the revenue agent says, okay, here's 10,000 gallons of fuel in equipment A, B, and C, how did you come up with that 10,000 gallons? Well, we have it. Well, here's the engine. Here's the specs. The manufacturer says it runs 1.8 gallons an hour. If you run this 50 hours a week, here's the numbers we come up with. That's so you've done your homework. Correct. And so we can come in there and we'll know if we give them that, then we're going to get 90 to 100% of that approved. If we come in saying we just pulled it out of the air, mm. which is what if you try to do it yourself would be your argument it's not going to get approved. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Now, in those situations where you've gotten that quote-unquote pre-approval, have mm-hmm. you ever gotten an audit? We've had one. One, We've okay. We've had one. And what it, happened in that situation? Sure. What happened was when they came in and they were using one of the big four to do their sales tax. Okay. And they came in and they gave us their equipment, but they had reclassified some of their equipment instead of off-road for on-road use. So when they got audited for their sales tax, they said, look, you either have to classify it as on-road or off you. You need to pick one of these two. Uh... And that's, okay, I can't help you there. So what we did on that one <laughs> is we figured out what was the best case for them and what would mean more. If you do your sales tax and you reclassify, you get that one time. We're going to collect your excise tax every quarter. 
So if you get, again, I'm gonna use round numbers, $100 for your sales tax refund, but I can get you $50 a quarter for the next 20 years, that's an e math is easy right. to do in that case. Okay, that makes sense. So I would say that the advice to the client would be make sure that your sales tax is consistent with your excise tax filings. That would be the message if any of them knew what an excise filing was. And you would- Touche. You would think- <laughs> You would think that these companies would, would know and they would have their own departments. We work with billion-dollar publicly traded companies who we do this for them. And they do. They have tax departments, but they don't do this. Mm, it's uh, very specialized. It's extremely specialized. And so we come in, and this is all we do. I don't want to do their 1065. I don't do 1120. I don't want to do anything but this. And as soon as one of the CPA or the firms or even the CFO has been there 20 years, as soon as they understand... We're on their side. Mm -hmm. We don't want to take their. We don't want to do their taxes. Right. We're not competition. We want to be a champion for them in this cause and this cause only. Once they understand that, then it's golden. But if they come in thinking they're going, this is their entree into taking away uh, my income tax. We, we don't want to do that at all. In fact, we want to work with them, not against them. Well, I definitely understand this concept as it relates to sales tax, which is mm -hmm. something with our bookkeeping firm, we deal with sales tax quite often. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely learned that your average CPA out there does not even understand nearly the scope of what they need to to be successful in filing or handling sales tax issues. Correct. So I have found professionals that specialize specifically in sales tax and even the state that we have the issue in because every state is different obviously so Correct. is that a similar would you say the similar there's a similar situation with excise tax where every state has different laws and situations going on every state is completely different every okay. state has a different amount i would say that for instance in texas there's certain equipment that's refundable or certain equipment that's not in california that could be completely different Texas, you get, if I have a lawnmower in Texas, I can get 20 cents a gallon for that piece of equipment. I can go back 12 months. In California, I get 58 cents a gallon for that piece of equipment and I can go back three years. Hmm. So, and in California, it's all electronically done. You have to manually enter things. In Texas, I can give them a report with the invoices. Okay. Not only is it different with the amount you get, what equipment is refundable, what records they want is different. And it's different for every state and the states change a lot. Not, when you go with the IRS and the federal government, it's different. And it's only different in what that individual agency wants. The person who's doing the federal review in South Texas wants something different than the person doing it in mm. Southern California. We know that, and that will, and we sue a preemptive review. That's where we save time. We're going to send right. everything to them, and they're going to say, well, we'd rather have this. If you file it and you wait for them to respond, you're adding three to four months to the process. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. I can see that. Mm -hmm. That's sounds very similar to what I've experienced with sales tax. It's, and I think yes. what a lot of people don't understand about CPAs in general, because I think the misnomer is if you have a CPA next to your name, just anything accounting applies to you. And CPAs actually have to be generalists in a lot of ways just to get through their test. Like they're, they're going to have to know a little bit about a lot of different things. And if they're specializing in tax specifically, they're focused on, as you said, the 1065, the 1120S, those commonly filed income tax returns, federal income tax right. returns. So these things like sales tax that are at the state level or excise tax in your case, 
those are a lot more specialized, a lot more complex, as you stated, because every state is different. And not every CPA has even heard of it. I'm sure you've talked to accountants that are asking. I mean, I'm sure they've heard the term. 95% of CPAs have no, don't, don't know even know what it is. That, and here I was one of them. I got schooled, right? Mm-hmm. Thinking I knew what it was. So I understand why that is because it's not something that they have to know to pass the CPA exam. No. And yeah. I have an accounting degree, so I know it's not something you had to learn to get your accounting degree either. Right. And it's something you can file your income tax and your state taxes, and you can never do it, and the government just keeps your money. <laughs> and they don't tell you, hey, we've got your money. Right. You have to ask for it back. Yeah. Okay. So that makes sense, too, because in a way, you the government is incentivized in a way for you not to know about it. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> they get to keep that. So that makes sense. So- For the average company out there, and and in my case, I'm dealing with a lot of small businesses. Mm -hmm. These are not companies that have fleets of equipment necessarily. Is it worth it for them to look at this? Or is this really more for the big guys that have a lot of money going to this type of equipment? So I'm going to answer that in two ways. I'm going to answer the same way I'd answer if you were a client. Okay. If the IRS or the state has $20 of my money, I want it back. Okay. That's that. I don't want to give the government any more money than I have to. That's the first way. The second way is there's going to be some time involved in this, and there's a cost-benefit analysis to it. What we'll do is the smaller the client, the more that money means. If I could get, and again, I'm using a landscape crew out there. If I can get them anywhere from six to $9,000 a year back, that's a new crew. That's new equipment. Mm. That's, that's their family vacation that year. There are things that it matters. And so I will tell you that most of our small business clients, that refund of six to 20 grand means a lot more than the million dollar refund for the mm. publicly traded company. Gotcha. This is real money. This is college fund for these people. So right. when you're out there and you're a mom and pop produce company and you've got nine trucks that you're delivering food for, you're getting back eleven, fourteen thousand dollars a year. That's real money. I mean, that's, absolutely, that's real money to you. So, and I don't know why anyone, if you could get ten thousand dollars back, why anyone would say no to that, and especially that you're going to get your check back and then give us a cut of it, and then we get some people. Well, your cut. Again, no matter what the cut is, if I showed up at your door every quarter and gave you $1,000 and you had to give me 300 back, would you do that? Of course you would. Of course. Yeah, of course you would. And so in this case, that even though it's a smaller amount, we don't really want to work with people who aren't getting back at least five or $6,000 a year. We, sh- we don't. But your small business guy's getting that back. And especially in a better, if a state, in Texas, he may get back four or five. In California, that four or five client is going to be 24 or 25, just because the amount you can get back and the higher levels of the that taxes are higher mm. new york same way and the time you can go back so what we always like to do is we'll come in if you were a new client let's say you had a let's say you were in your county clients and you thought this could be something we could do mm-hmm. what i'd ask them to do i would say give me a quarter give me a quarter of your fuel and what your and you'll say your equipment list and they'll say we don't get all it together you have an asset list somewhere or you have it covered. you would hope you would hope you would hope dell but what they do have <laughs> They have it insured. So they have a declaration page that they have their equipment insured on. Okay. So give me that's, your deck page. That, it, that's good. Your yeah. equipment will be listed there, and okay. that's easy. Okay. And then take your fuel receipts and just give me your, your fuel cost for a quarter. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to tell you one of two things. I'm going to tell you, hey, we can help you, and here's about what we can do. Or I'm going to say, we can't. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to wa- It's a waste of time for me to deal with you if we're not going to make money. If right. you don't make money, I don't make money. So I want to tell them up front. I have found being honest and upfront with people just saves a lot of time and effort later. 
set your expectations low. Tell them what's going to happen. If I tell you you get ten thousand a year back and you get fifteen, you're thrilled. Mm. If I tell you fifteen, you get ten, you're not very thrilled with right, me. Right, right. So, but most of those clients, they have everything together. I can come into a small business and in thirty to forty-five minutes get everything I need from them, and within two weeks they'll have the returns back and we'll file them. And then they basically sit back and we deal with everything from that point forward until they get their check. So you mentioned landscaping companies. Mm -hmm. What are some other industries or types of companies that should pay attention to this? So any sort of, so there's, I'll go small with you. Okay. Ranchers. They have Ah. those ATVs. They have boats. They have ponds. They have uh, generators. So they'll get a fuel drop. Mm -hmm. You see that big tank out there? They get a $1,000 fuel drop every couple months, so they'll go through five to 6,000 gallons of fuel, and they could get back anywhere from 40 to 60 cents a gallon on that as a refund. Wow. That's real money. That is real money. Uh, Landscapers, golf courses. I would go any sort of refrigerated truck company, and you you think about that as, uh, well, those are big companies. They're really not. Most of those are four to eight, ten truck guys. Uh, Then we have your oil field service guys. We'll have... Fishing guides, they're put in boats as long as they're not using dyed fuel. Uh, we use, um, like I said, ranchers, hunting guides, all those ATVs, those, those what are they, Polarises that are out there. Mm. All this is burning fuel. It's burning more fuel than you think. So like Texas Park and Wildlife, they have a bunch of equipment out there that you don't think of because it's all the players, the ATV, the boats. All that fuel is refundable. Mm. These are things that are easily done, and you don't think about it until you start adding it up. Right. And when you think, well, I don't burn, but, you know, say 3,000 gallons of fuel a year. Well, at 70 cents a gallon, that's that's decent money that you get back. You know, not a ton. Right. But if it's $2,000 of my money, I want it back. Absolutely. Yeah. So what about, let's take trades, because we have a lot of clients that are trades Mm -hmm. that have, not necessarily fleet, but a few trucks that they drive to their service calls. Mm -hmm. That is using it on the road, and I'm assuming for the intended purpose. So for that type of situation, this would not apply. Is that correct? That's correct. What I would ask them are those trucks that they're using, uh, do they have any equipment on them? Do they have a welding machine on that's burning fuel? A generator? Mm. They have a generator. Do they have a cherry picker? If you don't the yep. lift. Okay. That's what's going to cost some PTO power takeoff equipment. Okay. A lot of that in different states is refundable. So that's why we always tell people just send it to us and let us look. Okay. We're, because you're not paying us. Unless we can do it, send it to us, let us look. I'm going to get back with you. I'd rather spend that 10 minutes up front saying yes or no than you to assume and leave money on the table. Ah, okay. So if they did have, let's say, one or two of these, is it worth it? Depends on how much fuel they're using. Ah, okay. I mean, if they're so using... Just... I, I, let's let's take a golf course, for instance. You could say, hey, Dale, it's a nine-hole golf course in Southern California where you can play golf 12 months a year and it's a dollar a gallon refund. Yeah, that's that's good. Mm. In Wisconsin where you play golf 5 months a year, then no. Okay. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't really fit <laughs> because you're not burning a fuel. So really, okay. I hate to make these general statements because it really does geography it matters. It depends. Okay. Where where it is and what you're doing matters. That's everything in accounting. It's always it depends. Yeah. <laughs> so now once you tell me the state and the equipment, then it doesn't depend anymore. Okay. But so I, I use golf course because people can relate to that fairly easily and they understand it. The the going back to what you said about accounts having a general knowledge, we run into that a lot. And and I tend to try to use base examples because if you start talking to me about accounting, I am not an accountant. It's not my background. You will lose me quick. <laughs> but what I will tell people is I, I tell you sports because most people understand. I said, you know, 
every major league baseball player is better than your average guy. If mm-hmm. you no matter what it is. Right. But if you talk about a pitcher, is he a starter, a reliever, a closer? All of a sudden, the higher level you get, the more specialized it gets. Mm-hmm. Well, we're at the highest level you can possibly get at in the tax world, so it's extremely specialized. There's mm-hmm. not a CP out there that can possibly know all the ins and outs. And I will tell you, the really good CPAs, go find somebody to do their sales tax. They go find somebody yes. to do their excise tax. Yes. And they're not scared by it. They know they're good, and they know their client benefits by going and finding right. those people. Absolutely. So yes. I would imagine you have a lot of CPAs as clients or referral partners. We have a lot of groups of referral partners. What we have found is a lot of the big four send us clients yeah. because they have big imagine. clients. And this is just money they're leaving on the table. They don't want to do it. When they realize that we're not going to come in and try to take their money away from them, right. that we're only going to do this, right. they love us. And and that's a, a relationship we have to have with them because we don't want to tread on their – we don't want to tread in their territory. They don't want right. to tread in ours. It works great. Right. No, that makes complete sense. It's kind of the same situation that I have going because we strictly do bookkeeping. We don't do tax prep. Mm-hmm. So tax preparers actually are some of our best clients. Yes. So it works fantastically. Well, if you're, if you're a big four – and you come to us, you know we're going to do it right. Mm. And if you get audited, a word, we're going to defend it for you. Mm. There's, They know this. So they would much rather us do it and do it right, can count on us being there if any, if any questions are asked, than to have somebody come in and try to do it cheaply. Absolutely. I, you know, I get this all the time. Well, I can go out and find somebody to do it cheaper. Well, one, no, you can't. We're one of the few people in the country who do this. And two, if your kid was having surgery, are you going to bargain shop? <laughs> You're not. You're going to go find the best. Right. Price doesn't matter. Here, you're fighting with state agencies and the IRS. Why would this matter? Go find the best person to have this fight. And that's us. And so once once somebody kind of understands that, you know, I I get it all the time when somebody says, Dale, why don't we do this ourselves? And so I'll ask them, do you change your own oil? Of course you don't. Do you mow your own yard? Of course you don't. You'll get one that ever say, yeah, I do. You'll get that. And so I'll ask him, if your son fell and broke his leg, would you set it yourself? Well, no. Why not? You can. Now, he'll never walk correctly again. So, yeah, you can file this. But if you ever get reviewed, what are you going to do? It's just like, you know, yeah, we can come in. We can do this. We take away all the accountability. It's all on us. All the detriments on us. All the works on us. And every quarter you get a check. That's fantastic. Um, I love it. We think it is. Talk about your your background and how you got into this, because you mentioned you're not an accountant. This, I am not this an is accountant. not your background. It so is not. how did this even come about? So I have worthless degrees, I like to tell people, but <laughs> um, I started companies early on in my life, and my father actually leased trucks for Bright, Penske, Jartran. We I grew up in a little small town, and that's what he did. So he got fired from Bright. One day, he he tended to be a little brash and a little uh, you know a little loud and outspoken. <laughs> oh boy! So he gets fired and he starts his own consulting company. So what he worked with a lot of trucks that would, of course, he didn't know what they shipped, but they would you lease ten trucks from Ryder. Well, part of what he would do is he would come in and renegotiate your lease, or when you did a new lease, he would negotiate that for you. Whatever he could save you, he took a cut of. Sounds good. Mm. Well, one of the things he also did is he'd review your invoices. And part of those invoices, part of your lease would be like routine brake maintenance. Well, 
they would slip in some brake maintenance in there. When it goes to your AP, your payables, they're looking at a brake. They don't know if that's routine. They don't know what to do. Well, he would review your invoices, and he'd go through and say, nope, that should be in there. Whatever he saved you, he got a cut of that, too. Ah. 2001, he calls me and says, Dell, why is no one doing their excise filings? And I said, Dad, what is an excise filing? What is this? Well, what had happened before then is when you leased your trucks from, let's say, Ryder, for instance, part of your lease was the fuel. So Ryder would charge you, client A, for the fuel, and then they would turn around and get the refund from the federal government. Oh, wow. So they were double dipping. Congress passed a law in 2001 that said can't do that. It has to be the end user that mm. gets the refund. Well, so now all these trucking companies out there, the refrigerated truck companies, they didn't know this existed because they were leasing their trucks from Ryder or Jar Trainer Penske, right. who was doing the filings instead wow so here's this big empty cavern for people to do this we step in we started the company i don't know if you've ever worked with your family don't it's a bad idea <laughs> i started it helped him build it and then about seven years ago stepped back in and we went nationwide um it's been great it's wow. been fun um but that's i'd like to tell you this is my idea it wasn't it was my father's that's amazing. Good for you guys, because it sounds like you've been able to accomplish a lot with this. It's been fun. It's uh, it's funny when the, we get that asked question a lot of, you know, is it worth it? The government will tell you there's about $19 billion a year paid in excise taxes and, wow. and for off-road purposes. So wow. this is what could be recouped that's wow. not. So it's not, it's a, not a small huge amount. huge amount. I think it is. Wow. So you've got a huge market share for sure. If we could just get people to want their money back from the government, I, people just want to donate too much. <laughs> All right. So if you have, if there's somebody listening or watching that wants to see if they could possibly be eligible for this, how can they reach you? It's the easiest thing to do is to go to the website, okay. tipexcise.com, just like it sounds. And actually on there, there's two things. You can put information and somebody will contact you. There's also a calculator on there that you can actually mm. drop down and say what state you're in, what equipment, or not equipment, what industry you're in and your gallons usage. And it'll tell you about what you can get back. Now, this is an estimate. Mm -hmm. But when you do that, we'll come in and we'll ask questions. Then go to tipexcise.com. They can call. They can call me. That's fine. That's 214-435-0323. You'll get my cell number, which is no problem. And then I'll let you, we'll go from there. But if it's in Texas, that's a good thing to do. Uh, no matter what the size of your company is. Like I said, we have $15 billion public traded companies or clients. And we have your four crew landscapers that are clients. We that's have it amazing. all over the board. Well, and that's why I wanted to have you come talk on here about this because as you stated there's so many people so many business owners that don't even know that this exists or that this is something that could they could possibly be leaving on the table well and what i found the fear of the unknown like you said why would i audit mm -hmm. we don't want to do audit correct so let's do it where you'll never get audited yeah. let's do yeah. it the right way and a lot of that they'll they're so scared of the irs they don't realize there's also all the state money they're leaving and you're not going to get audited yeah there's and a lot of people one of the bad things you know you're talking about it they think it was just two or three hundred bucks if it was it wouldn't be worth our time but if it's 10,000, 12,000, 6,000, I don't know what your threshold is because everybody has different levels. Right. We're just gonna tell you what it can do and then we'll move forward or not. Um, but yeah, I don't know why anybody would want the government to have their money and keep it because it's your money, get it back. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been fantastic. Thank you for having me. And I'm Lindsay Klein with Sakline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. You can find us at sakline.com, S-A-K-L-I-N-E.com, or you can email us at info at sakline.com. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Until next time, have a great week.
By the Books is presented by Secline. Honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. For more information on Secline services or to get a hold of Lindsay, visit secline.com or email info at secline.com. The information provided on this website and podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general information purposes only. Information provided by Secline may not constitute the most up-to-date legal or other information. Listeners should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter and should refrain from acting on the basis of this information without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information contained herein and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation.